You're listening to Comedy Central. Well, hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is The Daily Social Distancing Show. Today is February 16th, and here's your helpful vaccine tip of the day. If you've already been vaccinated, it is still important to wear a mask because it's the only thing that hides how happy you are. None of us want to see that shit! Busy showing off with your vaccine. Put a mask on and hide your face, you lucky bastard! Anyway, on tonight's show, we look at the recent violence against Asians in America. Roy Wood Jr. tells us about America's black doctors and a winter storm is messing with Texas. Plus, Bill Gates is joining me as our guest. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the crazy weather sweeping across the United States today. Because right now, everywhere in the country, if you look outside your window, you're seeing snow. I mean, except for Florida. If you're looking outside your window, that white stuff you're seeing, that's probably cocaine. But for the places that aren't used to having winter, this storm is causing major problems. Nearly 200 million Americans are now in the path of a dangerous winter storm system, with warnings and alerts now stretching from the Mexican border all the way to Maine. 44 states on alert this morning. About 70% of the continental U.S. is covered in snow right now. That is the highest in a decade. Nowhere is harder hit than Texas, where more than 3 million homes and businesses are without power and heat. The electrical grid simply can't handle the demand. Officials imposed rolling blackouts, saying the lack of energy is due in part to frozen and wind turbines in West Texas knocked offline. Pipes freezing and bursting across the state. And these power lines sizzling. Taken out by heavy ice in Louisiana. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Frozen road sent an 18-wheeler careening out of control near Austin. And a man nearly lost his life, jumping just seconds before a car lost control and crashed into a police cruiser. Oh, hell no. Trucks spinning around? Cars flying off the road? The storm has turned Texas into that ice level from Mario Kart. If I was in Texas right now, I'm carrying around a green shell with me just to be safe. And how about that guy who jumped out of the way of a flipping car? <laughs> that was some real action movie shit, like real life action movie. The only thing missing was him turning to the camera afterwards with like one of those cool one-liners. Ice try, buddy. And you gotta understand, this is especially tough for Texans because they're not equipped for snow. They don't have snow shovels out there. Their best bet is to grab their AR-15s and shoot each snowflake before it lands. Go back to Canada where you belong! Ah! But this just goes to show you that with climate change, everyone has to be prepared for every kind of condition, no matter where you live. You're in Arizona? Well, you better get a parka. Minnesota? You need a big sun hat. New York, you start carrying around an anti-scorpion spray. And that's not a climate change thing. Uh, my pet scorpion has escaped. So um, if you find Roger, please, please return him. Now, it turns out there are a lot of reasons that Texas has suffered such a huge power outage. Supply for electricity is down. The demand is surging. But experts also say that Texas neglected and underinvested in its grid until it finally broke during the storm. And look, guys, I get it. Spending money on maintaining infrastructure is probably the least sexy thing that you can do with your tax dollars. But it's one of those things you're gonna take for granted until you're in an emergency. It's the same way how the people who built the Titanic didn't focus 
on lifeboats. Instead, they were too focused on getting cars for their passengers to bang in. But let's move on now from news to New Orleans, where the drinks are strong, the people are friendly, and the Waynes are little. Today is Mardi Gras, when the city would normally throw its famous costumed parade. But in Corona times, things are a little more subdued. It may be the quietest Bourbon Street has ever been on Mardi Gras. Normally the heart of the city's most iconic celebration, the French Quarter, is virtually empty. Almost a year into the pandemic, New Orleans isn't taking any chances. It limited liquor sales and shut down all bars for the five days leading up to Fat Tuesday. It's not gonna be not celebrated. It's just gonna be separate, celebrated differently. Local artists are turning Mardi Gras into Yardi Gras, with themed outdoor displays inspired by both tradition and pop culture. Even a global pandemic can't keep these beats away. Yes, friends, this year, Mardi Gras is Yardi Gras. And I think this is the right move. I mean, the sooner the people of New Orleans can stop the spread of COVID, the sooner they can get back to spreading gonorrhea. And yeah, it's sad, but it's just not safe to hold a Mardi Gras parade. I mean, during a pandemic, a tuba just turns into a COVID fire hose. But honestly, I'm glad that they found a way to safely still celebrate Mardi Gras. And remember, we can find ways to do things during this pandemic. Like you and I, we can celebrate Mardi Gras from home over Zoom. You just need some beads and you do the whole thing and then you have to... Mom! Someone broke your laptop! And finally, there's some good news for disease expert and pandemic zaddy, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the only person who may come out of the pandemic better off than he went into it. Dr. Anthony Fauci is being honored for what's described as his work defending science during the pandemic. The Israeli-based Dan David Foundation says Dr. Fauci is being awarded a $1 million prize. The private foundation said President Biden's chief medical advisor earned the recognition for a lifetime of leadership on HIV research and AIDS relief, as well as advocating for science and coronavirus vaccines. Wow, congratulations, Dr. Fauci. I mean, the man has definitely earned this prize because we all know the real reason he's getting a million dollars is for working with Trump and not getting fired. He's basically the most successful Apprentice contestant of all time. I hope that Fauci uses this money to get something nice for himself, you know, like a, like a diamond studded face mask. Although he doesn't seem like a ball out of control kind of guy. You know, I bet Fauci just uses the money to keep fighting the pandemic. Just bringing people like, let's cut to the chase. I'll give you $1,000 if you don't go bowling tonight, everybody. I will be honest though, I've never heard of this foundation before today. And part of me hopes that this isn't a coronavirus trap. You know, Dr. Fauci's gonna walk into the room to get his prize and it's just gonna be Corona standing there with a baseball bat. Well, 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 Dr. Fauci, what do you say now? I'm wearing a mask, so uh, nothing much really. You wanna take that mask off and fight me? No. Well, that's gonna make things harder for me. Come on, Fauci, help me out a little here. But let's move on now to today's main story. The coronavirus pandemic has been hard on a lot of people in America. Healthcare workers, parents, people with only a hot bottom half of the face. But there's one community that has faced a unique crisis, the Asian community. And their situation has only been getting worse. A wave of violence against elderly Asian Americans putting communities across the country on edge. The coronavirus's origin in China has caused a backlash against Asian Americans. A 91-year-old man pushed in Oakland's Chinatown, 
one of three attacks that day. The spike in violence forcing the Alameda County District Attorney to form a special response unit. President Biden last month signing an executive order with new Justice Department guidance on how to specifically report anti-Asian hate incidents. Hollywood stars speaking out, using their fame to raise awareness and donate funds to organizations that fight hate. After seeing this video in Oakland's Chinatown, actor and producers Daniel Wu and Daniel Day Kim spoke out and offered a $25,000 reward for an arrest. The way we see it is that it's not one community against another. It's everyone versus racism. All right, this is horrifying and sad to watch. People are attacking Asians in America, even 91-year-olds, just because the coronavirus started in China, which is insane. And you know what? Good for Daniel Wu and Daniel Day Kim for putting up the cash reward for an arrest. But it's sad that they even had to resort to this. I mean, if you know that someone racially attacked a senior citizen, you should snitch on sight. No incentives should be needed. Like, who is out there watching their TV like, I mean, yeah, sure, I saw that dude attack an old Asian man, but what's in it for me? And while a lot of people are talking about the situation now, the truth is it's not exactly new. In fact, it's been building since the very beginning of the pandemic. The Asian American community has been faced with effectively two pandemics. The first is the COVID-19 pandemic, but the second pandemic, it's a virus of racism that we have faced. Asian Americans Advancing Justice has cited at least 3,000 anti-Asian incidents since last February. In New York City, there was an 867% increase in Asian hate crime victims in 2020 compared to the year before. Advocates say these attacks became more prevalent after former President Trump began routinely using racist language to describe the pandemic. Chinatown was one of the earliest New York City communities to get hit during the coronavirus pandemic, and it was hit hard. Many businesses still struggling to stay open now nearly a year later. I think it was racism. People said, it's Chinatown, there's bound to be COVID there. And that stigma has sparked some dangerous incidents, some documented on social media. If you're from China, I need to know. Like this hotel manager in Indiana. Because why? Because there's a coronavirus going around, and anyone from China, I am told, has to be picked up and quarantined for two weeks. Good Lord. An 867% increase in reported hate crimes against Asians in New York City. 867%. This shit is like the GameStop of racism. And it's especially crazy when you consider that everyone was indoors all year. I mean, you know people are true assholes if they'll risk getting corona just to show you how racist they are. But what can we do about this rising violence? Well, here to share a few real ways that you can help fight hate crimes against Asian people in America, we turn to The Daily Show's very own Ronnie Chang. Ronnie, I'm sorry that we're chatting under such sad circumstances, but it is always great to see your face. Yes, thank you, Trevor. It is always great to see my face. But you know what? Now's not the time to talk about how incredibly handsome I am or how I'm somehow getting better with age because this other issue is more important. Well, I mean, we, we definitely agree on that. So, so how can people help fight these hate crimes? Uh, so there are a few big ways people can help. I mean, number one is if you see a hate crime or harassment or discrimination, report it. Because if authorities don't hear about hate crimes, they won't do anything about it. But if you have a mountain of evidence, it's impossible to ignore what's happening unless you're a Republican in an impeachment trial. 
Well, I mean, of course, yes, but that's a totally different issue. The question is though, how can I or anyone else report a hate crime? You can use the website below. It's quick and super easy to use. You can report a hate crime in less time than it takes to decide what Netflix show to watch. I mean, did you know they have six different shows about tacos now? I only have room in my life for one taco show, okay? Two, if the taco's also a serial killer. Oh yeah, dude, that taco was super guilty. I don't even know why people are like, wow, well, hashtag free that taco. Come on, man, let's move on. But, but okay, what about people who aren't seeing hate crimes happening in front of them? Is there any way that they can help? Yeah, if you're in an area where these attacks have been happening, volunteer to be a chaperone. Organizations like Compassion in Oakland will connect you with Asian elders to help keep them safe when they're walking around. And it's a win-win situation because elderly Asians have so much knowledge to give. Like, you could learn from them how to negotiate the best price for anything. One conversation and you'll never overpay for shrimp paste again. Trevor, how much are you paying for your shrimp paste right now? Right, right now? Um... I don't, I don't buy shrimp paste. I don't, what, what is that, to like glue shrimp together? What do you use that for? Okay, well, that's another hate crime I'll have to be reporting. Whoa, no, 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 Ronnie, 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 no, no, no. I, I love shrimp paste. I, I paste all the shrimps. It's too late, Trevor, okay? But if you want to make up for it, you can donate to one of these organizations, working hard to support and protect the Asian community. I know you've got all the money from all your shrimp paste savings. All right, I'm, well, I'm on it, man. Thank you so much, Ronnie. This has been really informative. So to sum it up, People can help by reporting hate crimes, by chaperoning the vulnerable, and by donating to organizations fighting hate. Yes. Oh, and there's one more way to help. Don't be a racist asshole who attacks old Asian people. I mean, what the is wrong with you? Shoving an old lady isn't gonna make your dick any bigger, okay? Just buy a convertible like everybody else. Okay, I think, I think that's everything. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I, I think we can finally talk about how... Uh, Good looking I've become. Uh, I'm sorry, Ronnie, but unfortunately we've just run out of time. Um... Oh, okay, well, uh, that's cool. But uh, hey, you know what? You can just email me any compliments you have at uh, handsomeronnie at thedailyshow.com and, uh, and keep trying if the inbox is full. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure that the people know. But first, I'll, we'll be going to the other websites. Thank you so much, Ronnie. Thank you. You, you stay safe and, and handsome out there, my friend. All right, when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. tells us about the black doctors you might not have heard about and... Bill Gates is joining us on the show. You don't want to miss it. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. February, as you know, is Black History Month, and we're celebrating it all month long with Roy Wood Jr. honoring the unsung heroes of black history in another episode of CP Time. Oh, hello. Welcome to CP Time, the only show that's for the culture. Today, we'll be discussing the history of black doctors. And I know that nowadays there are black doctors everywhere, on the sexy TV shows, in the rapping studios, even in the state penitentiary. There are so many black doctors, we even have fake black doctors, like Dr. Love the 17-year-old who put on a white lab coat and gave medical advice until he was arrested. And I'm glad he got caught before he gave me that vasectomy. Money saved. But while black doctors may seem commonplace today, for the longest time, black people's contributions to the field of medicine have been overlooked. And by overlooked, I mean stolen by white people. So let's discover some of these black professionals starting with Dr. Charles Drew. During the Second World War, 
Dr. Drew conducted groundbreaking research into blood transfusions that led to the creation of blood banks, which saved the lives of thousands of soldiers. Dr. Drew's research undoubtedly helped Allied forces defeat the Nazis, and it helped Matt Damon get home to his mammy. But in 1942, the military decided to segregate blood banks by race, and in response, Dr. Drew resigned in protest, and I applaud him for it. Getting blood donations from one race isn't going to change your race. Trust me, I received plasma from a white man once. It did not affect my credit score at all. Moving on, another black doctor who overcame racism and sexism was Dr. Alice Ball. Dr. Ball developed the first effective treatment for leprosy by chemically modifying chalmugra oil to make it water soluble. I have no idea what any of that means, but it sounds smart. Makes me wonder if this chalmugra oil might help me with my ashy skin. This pandemic got me washing my hands so much, I'm going through two bottles of lotion a week. You know how much this costs? Moving on to Dr. Daniel Hale Williams, who in 1893 performed the world's first successful heart surgery. Interestingly enough, Williams started off as a barber, which makes sense. The only thing with higher stakes than performing the first heart surgery is cutting a black man's hair. You don't want to mess that up. Dr. Williams was a pioneer and his work opened the door for other black surgeons, like the world-famous neurosurgeon Ben Carson. Dr. Carson made a name for himself in the 1980s by separating conjoined twins, and that's what I choose to remember him for. Great job on that surgery, Dr. Carson. It's too bad we never heard from you again. Finally, we must discuss Onesimus a black man who made contributions even while he was enslaved. During a smallpox outbreak in Boston in 1721, Onesimus taught his master about inoculation practices he had learned in Africa. Over there, they would take the pus from a sick person's wound and rub it into the open wound of a healthy person. It's nasty, but it works. Eventually, the idea caught on, and thanks to Onesimus, Massachusetts vaccinated its population and stemmed the outbreak. And today, people's mistrust of vaccines is a thing of the past. Totally a thing of the past, never to be discussed ever again. Well, that's all the time we have today. I'm Roy Wood Jr. And this has been CP Time From Home. And remember, we're for the culture. I got to call Dr. Love, see if he out of jail. This vasectomy, I still might need to get that. All right, when we come back, the one and only Bill Gates is joining us on the show to talk about the vaccine microchip that he's putting in all our heads. Stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Bill Gates. We talked about coronavirus vaccines, his new book about climate change, and so much more. 
Bill Gates, welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Good to see you. This is the third time that you have appeared on the social distancing version of the show, and we've had varied conversations. One, right at the beginning of the pandemic, where you told people that we should be prepared for a really horrible time that was going to, like, you know, roll out. People didn't believe it, and then it happened. Uh, You came back the second time and said, okay, vaccines are gonna be a challenge, and this is what we need to get ready for, and that is what we're living in now. It is now your third time on the show Are you here to deliver doom and gloom or you're telling us about some good news? Why are you here, Bill? Uh, Well, for the pandemic, uh, the vaccines are going to bring this to an end. It's, you know, been complicated to get them out. uh, But, you know, that's really a miracle of innovation. Uh, Now I'm warning about climate change. Uh, I've got a a new book that focuses on how we avoid a, a disaster. Before we get into the book, I wanted to talk to you about the vaccines. You, you posted a picture of yourself receiving your vaccine as somebody who's 65 and older. And um, as you know from the internet, you made the vaccines to put microchips in them to control everybody's minds. So my question to you is, what are you trying to control your own mind to do? Are you trying to oh, like stop yourself get- from eating ice cream or like, what are you trying to do? Whenever I get lost, the microchip can help me figure out where I am, I guess. Uh, The idea I want to figure out where everyone is, that's a a strange one for me. Yeah, no, I'm lucky lucky to have gotten the vaccine. It's the first time I've been happy to be 65. (laughs) Let's move on and talk about another looming crisis facing the world. You've talked a lot about the pandemic. Now you are talking about climate change. And in your new book, you talk about how to avoid a climate disaster. The question is, is it avoidable? Well, this will be the hardest thing we've ever done because the sources of emissions are very broad. You know, it's not just electricity or cars. It's also uh, cows, it's cement, it's steel, it's planes. And so we have to change all those things to be green. And we only have 30 years. So only if the younger generation worldwide is kind of bothering the politicians and speaking out loudly that morally this is a a cause that they believe in, only with that, a lot of innovation, some brilliant policies, uh, that's what it'll it'll take to make this grand transformation. It feels like a a theoretical conversation though. You know, uh, what I did enjoy in the book is you've laid out steps that you think people can actually take and governments can actually move forward to. What do you think some of the most concrete steps are that we can achieve today that can help us tomorrow? Well, we need to increase R&D funding on these uh, key topics. We need to have um, more high-risk companies uh, get started who care about these things. And we need the green products, like the green steel. We need demand out there. So as people are bringing those prices down, they get volume. Uh, We've seen with electric cars, uh, the right things are happening. The prices are starting to come down. You know, General Motors said by 2035, they uh, don't think uh, they'll need to make gasoline cars. Uh, so it says that extra cost where you pay a bit more, or you give up range over the next 15 years, that green premium, I call it, will actually go all the way down to zero in that category. And that's uh, amazing. We just need to do that across the dozen or so categories Uh, by driving innovation faster than it would normally take place. You know, one of the things that I've always been struck by is how sometimes the conversations are about what needs to be done, 
but then oftentimes there is no buy-in because nobody like sort of wants to do it. And that's why I think like Elon Musk has done a great job with Tesla. Yeah, it's an electric car, but most people don't buy it for that. They buy it because it's super cool, it goes really fast, and it's technologically advanced. Are there ways that we can get green energy to grow exponentially by making cool solutions as opposed to telling everyone you need to switch out your, your electricity with a windmill? Well, as you, you know, move away from coal, there's a lot of local pollution that affects health very negatively. Uh, so there's big benefits there. As you move to artificial meat, the kind of cruelty to animals uh, that's in, involved there and, you know, perhaps, you know, less cholesterol. There are a lot of benefits that come with green products. Sadly, some green products like green cement, it's still just cement. And so the fact that it costs more, you know, the government's got to help uh, create some demand there. Right. And so we can bring that price down. So yes, some categories um, can be better products, but steel and cement are kind of this boring thing that we just take for granted. And so we've been working too much on the easy stuff, not enough mm -hmm. on the hard stuff here. Let's talk a little bit about the hard stuff, uh, not just in terms of the products, but uh, about the people who are affected by the products. How do we implement these ideas without discarding the lives that are attached to the old forms of creating energy or food? Well, the key is going to be uh, having lots of new jobs. You know, for example, the electric network will have to get a lot bigger because it's now powering the cars or heating and cooling your uh, house. So that's, you know, it's going to be three times bigger and building all those transmission lines and power plants will be a big deal. Now, that's not to say that some communities that have been really focused on things like oil, they will have a transition. It's a 30-year transition. We still will be using some oil uh, in the decades ahead. And so we have to put into the cost of this transition uh, how we manage those communities that are, are affected. Because right now, there's almost a temptation to deny the problem altogether uh, mm -hmm. because if you feel like you're going to be left out of the solution, uh, you just you just want denial. There's also no denying that developing nations are most affected by climate change. So you have, you know, farmers in India, farmers in sub-Saharan Africa, where their climates have changed to the point where they can't even grow the food. Is there ever an idea for like a penalty then on the countries that do emit? Because if you're doing a thing like, let's say just on a, on a local level, if I started a fire in my house and the smoke blacked up all of your windows next door, they someone would say like, oh, I have to somehow make up for that. Will there ever be a system like that where the biggest polluters enter into a deal and say, we will, we will sort of pay or amend what we're doing to, 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 to poorer countries? Yes, we owe it to these countries uh, to not only mitigate, that is get the emissions down to zero, and that's that huge innovation, but also we need to help them because it will warm up uh, two degrees centigrade, and that really will hurt all their crops, it'll raise the sea level. We owe it to them to help with the adaptation. That includes a generation of seeds that actually can grow in the hotter temperatures and that are more productive so they don't end up with malnutrition and, and will face mass migration from those equatorial areas you know, where the poorest, they are farmers. And right. so the weather hurts them way more uh, than it does us. Although wildfires, sea level rise, you know, even we're gonna find it tough to go outdoors a lot of the, the summer. When we look at the world of climate change, there's no, no denying that 
You know, it, it's, it's filled with a world of superstars. You know, you, you talk to anyone and you say, who's getting involved in climate change? And it's some of the biggest names. It's, you know, it's, it's Bill Gates, it's Jeff Bezos, it's Michael Bloomberg, it's Leonardo DiCaprio, et cetera. The one thing that becomes a, a um, I think a paradox though, is when people say, these people are telling us about climate change, but all of them also travel around on private jets. How do you deal with that discrepancy and the paradox of existing in that way? Yeah, so I'm kind of a strange messenger because, you know, my primary focus is global health and that, you know, is why, uh, you know, I uh, talked about the risk of a pandemic and, and what we should do in advance. You know, climate change I only came to because I was traveling in Africa and seeing uh, how these farmers are already being hurt by it. My personal emissions, I'm, you know, now paying over $7 million a year to buy uh, aviation biofuel and to pay for carbon capture and to, you know, put electric heat pumps into low-cost housing instead of natural gas. Uh, so, yes, we all need to uh, not only fund uh, getting rid of our footprint, but also use that to fund these products uh, that will eventually be part of the solution. And so this catalytic investing in green products, uh, you know, the rich have to, to be the first to show they're going to do it. Yeah, you've already put in, I think it's over $2 billion into some of these ideas now to try and capture that carbon. And as we wrap up, I would love for you to explain, and this, this is something you've talked about, and, and it was nice to read elements of this in the book. You argue that the pandemic and climate change are not dissimilar. Please explain how. Yeah, so we count on our governments to think ahead about earthquakes so they do building codes or, you know, about wars so they, you know, fund a defense department that does war games. Uh, in these two cases, the pandemic and the climate change, our governments aren't uh, bringing in the best experts and figuring out an efficient way to avoid uh, this disaster. Uh, you know, because it didn't seem like a pandemic would come overnight, no politician felt like they'd get in trouble. Uh, and, you know, so the U.S. looked bad. Some countries uh, that were more ready, like Australia, avoided most of those deaths. So uh, because climate change is far worse, and, the, and once you get into it and the natural ecosystems are dying, you can't just invent one thing like a vaccine and get out of it. Uh, this should tell us, wow, let's, let's start now uh, to get ready, and government is going to have to lead the way. Well, it's a, it's a, a really ominous warning, but <laughs> uh, one that I guess, if you're an optimist, you go like, at least there is a game plan because we're not dealing with all of it right now. Uh, Bill Gates, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Uh, good luck with your endeavors, and we hope to see you again. Great to talk to you. Don't forget, Bill's new book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, is available now. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this. Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, I just wanted to let you know that The Daily Show is launching a new clothing line called The Monochrome Collection. It's a line of clothing gear where 100% of the proceeds will be donated to the Equal Justice Initiative. Now, the EJI is a great organization that works to end mass incarceration excessive punishment, and racial inequality. So, if you want to check it out, scan the QR code below or head to dailyshow.com forward slash collection and you can support EJI and look fresh all at the same time. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you're celebrating Mardi Gras at home, 
you can show yourself your own boobs in the mirror. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 